And the gospel lesson for this morning comes from the 22nd chapter of the Gospel of Matthew. It's found on page 25 of your pew Bible. Jesus speaking about the greatest commandment. Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your mind. This is the greatest and first commandment. And the second is like this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Love and serve the Lord. What a wonderful phrase, and there are so many ways that we can look at this phrase. And I'm going to invite us to look at the phrase in two or three different ways by accentuating one word that of the phrase that makes it mean something different. The first way that I would suggest for us is to accentuate the word Lord. Love and serve the Lord. No one or nothing else, only God. In this sense, it is a call and an admonition to avoid idolatry, the worship of false gods. This was the primary concern of how this word serve, avad in Hebrew, is used in the Old Testament. Avad to serve the Lord meant to overcome the tendency toward human idolatry, of worshiping anything or anyone else other than putting God first and violating the Ten Commandments, you shall love the Lord your God alone. In fact, this is what Yahweh, the Lord, told Moses when when God told Moses to go to Pharaoh. God was saying, I want you to go and free my people so that they will no longer serve Pharaoh, they will serve only me, Avad, to serve only God. And the call to serve and obedient to God alone is beautifully summed up in a scripture verse from 1 Samuel chapter 12, verse 24. And this is Samuel's farewell address to the people as he warned them to remain true to God, even though now they were going to have a king to reign over them. He wanted them to make sure that they didn't worship the king, that they worshiped only God. And here is what Samuel said to the people, a a verse worthy of memorization. Fear the Lord, serve him in truth with all your heart, for consider what great things he has done for you. So this is the first thing that we can say about the phrase, that it reminds us that as we go about living our lives and doing all that we do to not worship money or power, to to not worship position or status, we're not to worship our ideas or our ideologies or our politics, or even the cowboys versus the eagles at 12 noon, but we are to love and serve only God, the one who created us, who loves us, and who frees us from ourselves 
and frees us from the sin that we are caught up in. So that's the first one, to accentuate Lord. Yet there's another aspect to love and serve the Lord that bears our attention, and that is to accentuate the word and. There are two verbs in this phrase, and they are joined together by the word and. And that indicates that to love and serve, those two verbs are inseparable. We are to do both, to love God and to serve God. And of course, we often believe that the best way that we may serve the Lord is by serving others. We simply can't understand the teachings of the Old or the New Testament or the Jewish ethical system if we try to separate love of God and love of neighbor. Those two are always held together. If we truly love God, we will care for others. And if we really truly care for others, then we will devote ourselves only to God, who is the Father of all. That is why Jesus joined the two commandments in Matthew chapter 22, which we read. It's the great summary that we call the greatest commandment, to love God and to love neighbor. Jesus said the whole law and the whole prophets, the whole Old Testament, the Hebrew scriptures, hang on this one alone. And yet there is one more way to look at this phrase, and this is to place the emphasis on the first word, love and serve the Lord. In the early church, based on the scripture that we have given it to us from the Gospel of John, Jesus says, I am the vine and you are the branches. Abide in me as I abide in you. Which is Jesus' way of saying to love. And Jesus' disciples are those who are illustrated as being connected to Jesus the vine. And Jesus is the source, and those who call themselves Jesus' disciples will remain connected intimately in love to the vine. And it is only in that way that we bear fruit. In this church, we are like many churches and many Christians all over, and I am like so many pastors all over. We spend a lot of time discussing what it means to be a church with a mission, There is strong emphasis on serving the Lord, and to that we rightly devote a great deal of time and a great deal of energy. There's certainly nothing wrong with that. I simply suggest to us this morning that the word love that shows up in our charge each and every week is important. It is an essential prompt to make sure that we remember to devote ourselves with our whole body to God, with our heart and our soul, not just our hands and our feet. Our forefather in the faith, John Calvin, has been portrayed rather unfortunately in history as someone who was austere and very stern. Here he is uh, studying and writing and uh, portrayed some oftentimes as in a caricature, as a stereotypical demanding taskmaster You wouldn't want to make this man mad. He would give you an F on your paper, and you'd have to take the class again. And, of course, John Calvin's legacy includes the Puritans, from which we derive the word puritanical, which we use in a negative sense. 
rather than really focusing on graceful postures. And so we would do well to know that Calvin, in the midst of all his studies, in the midst of all his teachings, for all his emphasis on head knowledge and working out his institutes, he said in his seal that he wanted most of all to give his heart sincerely and eagerly to the Lord. His concern wasn't having Jesus in his heart. His concern was having his heart as a sacrifice offering to God out of love for God. And we too, as a following Calvin's example, would do well to offer ourselves in devoted love to our Creator for all the good things that God has done for us. So if you are looking for proper balance in your life, it is important that we acknowledge the inner need that we have for inner growth that comes from devotion and love, as well as the outward expressions that we do so well of service and giving. The Greek word for serve that is used in Romans 12, 11, which we read, admonishes us to serve the Lord. The Greek word is duleo, and it means to be a slave or a servant, to obey, to submit, to yield obedience. And Paul uses this very same word in several other cases in the book of Romans when he speaks of no longer being slaves to sin, but being liberated by God's grace to serve in the newness of the Spirit. So we're going to serve someone. Do we want to serve sin? Or do we want to serve the Lord in the newness of the Spirit? And if we truly call Jesus Lord as the creed, as, as we do in this confession, love and serve the Lord, it is helpful, helpful to remember how radical calling Jesus Lord really is. To call Jesus Lord is to designate him as the master of our lives and to place ourselves as servants who are to be obedient not to ourselves, but obedient to the Lord. And that is not an oppressive thing to do. It is actually the source of our freedom. It is the source of our joy. We don't submit ourselves to the lordship of Jesus in our lives out of a sense of duty or obligation. We do it out of a sense of love, a desire to devote ourselves to the one who brings us out of slavery into the promised land, the one who brings us out of slavery to sin and death, into grace and newness of life. The same thing that God has done for us in the past, God continues to do in the future. And that is what a devotional life allows us to do, to truly love and serve the Lord. It is what sustains us in our hands-on mission work so that we may avoid burnout and avoid frustration that we are truly and passionately motivated to serve God because we truly love God and spend time with God in prayer, 
attending worship, reflecting on the beauty of God's good creation, and have a sense as we approach our everyday tasks that there is a holy presence that sustains life and holds all of life together, and we can love and fall in love with that. There is nothing more wonderful than to realize that our utmost fulfillment comes not from the things that we do for others, even though that is as powerful as it is, but that we truly become who we are and who we are created to become when we feel our hearts warmed and our souls filled with love for the one who loves us. I think this is one of the many, many lessons that we can learn from children. For as we observe children, we notice how freely and completely children give themselves in love. It comes naturally to them. It comes spontaneously for them. This is why Jesus talked about children If you look at the Gospels and every time Jesus is addressing adults and trying to explain something to them about the kingdom and how the kingdom works, they say, we do not understand this. And so what Jesus does for the adults is he points to children and he says, unless you become like one of these, then surely you will never comprehend what the kingdom is about and you won't get what I'm saying. So as important as our brains are, and as much as I spend my time there as well, it's not about cognition alone. The Old Testament is clear that we are called to love and serve the Lord with all of our heart and all of our soul. And loving the Lord reminds me, of a song that uh, I sang in church growing up in the Baptist tradition. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. Because he first loved me. You want to sing it together? Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus, oh, how I love Jesus, because he first loved me. Amen. Please.